No player in the rich history of CU football has recorded more tackles than Barry Remington, who played linebacker for the Buffaloes from 1982 to 1986. Welcome in, everyone. My name is Adam Munster-Tiger. I'm the publisher of BuffStampede.com on the Rivals.com Yahoo Sports Network, and I'm glad to be joined on the line by Barry Remington. Barry, out of all of those 493 tackles uh, you recorded during your college career, is there one or two that, that stand above the rest that uh, you'll always remember? Oh, <laughs> That's a good question. Um, gosh, I don't know. Maybe my first one when I was a freshman. You know, when you you have so much adrenaline flowing that you get out there and you make a tackle and you can't believe that you're actually playing for the bus and playing against top-notch opponents. So, but um, those do add up. I feel them today. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, you grew up in a small town in southwest Colorado before moving to Boulder in high school, and then uh, you move out there and go to Fairview, win uh, a state title in, in both basketball and football. What was it like playing for legendary football coach Sam Pagano in high school? You know, that's, um, that was a wild time because I came from a small single-A town, Del Norte, Colorado, and um came up to Fairview my sophomore year, and we won the state championship that year. Um, we had a lot of good teams. And uh, Sam was just a great motivator. Um, that's what the first thing I noticed is that he was at a high level. You better come to play. And uh, he taught me a lot about how to how to have your motor running at all times. Did you play with either John or Chuck Pagano at Fairview, or did you miss it? Were they before and after you? Exactly. Uh, Chuck was there, I believe, a year before me, and then Johnny was a, a year or two after me um, during that time. So, yeah, I, met, I knew both of them. I still know them, but uh missed playing with them. Was there a time in high school when it kind of clicked for you and you, you kind of realized, hey, I'm pretty good at this? Uh, you know, I think part of Playing football is you're always driven to be better. You know, you, I, I always wanted to be the best at, at linebacker, and I had, I thought what I had was great instincts and uh, desire uh, to be as good as anybody out there. And I think that's kind of what, what drove me. And I always loved playing football since a kid when I was a kid. And um, you know, if you put those two components in there. You know, I have the size and the athletic ability to do it, and you add the desire to it, that usually gives you a pretty good chance to be a, a decent football player. You lost your father, Wayne Remington, to cancer when you were a teenager. I've seen you quoted as saying that watching your father battle the disease for five years left an impression on you that, that became a big part of your personality. In what ways do you feel like that shaped you at a young age, both on and off the field? You know, um, I was at such a impressionable age. Uh, I think he got it when I was um, 11, and then he passed away when I was 16. And it's interesting. I have a, a son who's 11 right now, and I think back about that as well, about being that old and remembering, finding out. And you know what? I, what he gave me was just um, he had such determination and grit through all that. Um, he fought it tooth and nail and um, didn't really let it show, you know, until the bitter end uh, what kind of fight he was in. And um, I knew he loved me and he loved uh, uh, his family. 
And, you know, uh, that just gave me great determination to know that, you know, you can fight through just about anything if you put your mind to it. And uh, the best will be made of it, too. And he certainly made the best out of it. Uh, a bad situation for me, and uh, I think he wanted to make sure that I grew up, and that's why he hung around at least five years when the mortality rate was probably three to six months. Yeah, you you, uh, you know get past that and to have a great high school career and, and uh, are a high school all American. I'm, I'm assuming that you had some options coming out of Fairview. What was your recruiting process like? Yeah, I did have some some good options. I took um, recruiting trips, you know. Where I wanted to, I took one to, you know, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Notre Dame, and I could have taken some more. You kind of get tired of them after a little bit, yeah. And I was, you know, Boulder's such a special place, and you go and take these trips, and UCLA was just fantastic, and so was Arizona State. Uh, but you come, you know, you get on the plane, you come home, and you're like, wow, I live in one of the greatest places in the United States, and why would you want to leave? Were you part of Bill McCartney's transition class or his first full recruiting class? Uh, transition. Coach Fairbanks Coach Fairbanks recruited me, and then he um, uh, left that summer, and then Coach Mack came in um, in 82 for that fall. What was Coach Mack's main recruiting message for you? Obviously, he was just getting into the job at that point. Uh, was there something that he said that made you feel comfortable in signing with the Buffs? Well, he had, he, had, he was coming from such a powerful program as Michigan. Um, and, you know, when you're a freshman, you just kind of just believe, hey, everything's going to be fine anyway. But, you know, to have that those credentials, and he's such a um, – dynamic speaker anyway uh that you, you just felt comfortable right off the off the bat with them and you know we were we were looking for better things for for CU obviously you would have enjoyed winning more games as an underclassman but what was it part being part of the the beginning of his rebuild at CU was it was it fun to be part of kind of laying the foundation with him yeah i mean it wasn't fun going 1 in 10 i think we went 1 in 10 my um sophomore year but we were close. You know, there were time we could have gone four and seven easily that year, maybe even a little bit better. Um, we were on the cusp. Uh, you know, the one thing that Coach Mack did, and I, you know, when you look back and see what turned it around, is he was not. He made coaching changes, personnel changes. He was always tinkering with trying to get the best possible setup for the team. I think that's really, you know, it evolved even to the wishbone when we went to the wishbone in 85. It gave us a, a, a toughness that we probably didn't have. We had some talent, but not toughness. And that kind of catapulted us over the top as far as getting into a, a bowl game and, and starting a, a winning tradition back in 85. Did you always sense that things were headed in the right direction and that, you know, the success was coming there in 85 or – did it get pretty discouraging at times when you were an underclassman at CU? Well, I saw it turn in 84, probably the second half of the year. Our defense started playing pretty well, and we, start, we, we started hanging with, I think we kept Nebraska down to, it was 17-7 to in the fourth quarter and lost 24-7 to that year. And we started stopping people. And if you have a defense and, you know, if they can – 
keep the score reasonable, you're going to you're going to be in most games. And I think that really was the turning point is that we had a tough running um, program. You know, we, our offense could run the football, and we played really good, solid defense. Um, and I think that's, you know, I'm hoping that's what's going to happen to the Buffs uh, this year is their defense improves. And if that happens, uh, they'll have a chance to turn it around like we did back in 85. And that 1986 team has talked a lot about, obviously, uh, you guys start out 0-4, but then end up finishing as a runner-up for the conference title and, and beat Nebraska for the, for the first time in uh, a long time, I believe. Uh, that was 1967, I believe, was the the, um, the time before that that you guys had beaten them. Talk a little bit about kind of that, that season. I'm guessing that was a little bit of a whirlwind, just kind of the, the turnaround there midway through. Yeah, well, we come off a, a, a bowl season in 85, and we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. You know, we turned the corner, or at least we thought we had. But then we lose four straight games um, to start the season in 86. All of them close games, could have gone either way with a couple breaks here or there. But we're sitting there at 0-4, and then we go into the Big 8 um, conference, and we're like, okay, we got to turn this thing around. And uh, we had a chance. We started playing better, stopped turning the ball over. Defense started really cranking it down, and then once we played Nebraska, I mean, we held Nebraska to 10 points, um, and they had a high-potent offense uh, that year. I think they were ranked second or third in the country when we played them. So, um, you know, that that was a turning point, at least for me, was, you know, we we buckled down after an 0-4 start and really, really, uh, we had some good leadership on the team. We, we knew what we wanted to get accomplished, that there were still good things ahead of us. What was the the scene like after you guys beat Nebraska? What was uh, you know the, the the feeling in the locker room after that game? Well, we've talked about Nebraska since we were all freshmen, at least our our small senior class, and we were we had a a, a pretty good proportion of Colorado kids on the team, and they all knew the significance of Nebraska and how. We hadn't beaten them in so many years, and uh, and the way they had beaten us as well, it wasn't just, you know, close games. We were in the games for the most part all those 20 years. Um, so to beat them and, uh, you know, see the just the whole state erupt with um, Buff Pride was just awesome. You know, you look back on it, you, you can't help but smile, and, uh, it it truly did start a, a a rivalry with them, and um, you know that's one thing I do miss about going to the Pac-12 is we don't get to see Nebraska every year. When you think back to your your college career and all the individual success you had, uh, how much of that do you attribute to to hard work, and how much of it was just kind of God-given ability, uh, having those instincts that you talked about earlier? You know, it's a combination of all that stuff. I um, no doubt that I work hard. Um, and I had good coaching, and I had good guys around me, um, and I had good instincts. And you know, I I played basketball, and I did a lot of different sports to that kind of helped me in football as well. Um, you know, I, I I just felt fortunate that I was in the right spot. You know, I played injured quite a bit, which was always a challenge. But um, I just loved playing for the bus, and it was a it was a great time when I was there. Of course, no discussion of your career at CU is complete without talking about uh, the, the freak accident that happened 
before your senior year when you, you stepped on an ammonia bottle in a parking lot and uh, required a hospital stay and, and ended up affecting your vision. Uh, what 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 happened after that? Did did you need uh, surgery for that? Or is your vision still affected at all today? Oh yeah, I mean that's just uh, that was just not a good time in my life. It uh, I pretty much don't have much vision out of that eye these days, um, and there's not much you can do about it. I it's one of those freak things. You look back, and you go, "Well, gosh, I wish I could just take a right instead of a left." Yeah. Um, but that's life, and I fought through it. I fought through it, playing with it. Um, you know, when you're when you're young, you can you can talk yourself into just about anything. And I played through it. And it wasn't easy, but I, I I managed to do it. And you know, over time, my sight has just progressively gotten worse. And um, but you know, I I have one good eye, and um, I'm healthy. Other than that, so um, yeah, that was not my favorite part about. Uh, my college career. What, did you ever find out why that ammonia bottle was there? Did you get any type of explanation for for why that was? You know, there? it was it's outside a cleaning company. Uh, they just left it out there, and it's just one of those in the wrong place. Somebody let left something out at the wrong time, and you know, uh, it's just one of those things you can't really explain at the and you, you know you gotta kind of leave it behind or it'll leave a bitter taste in your mouth. It's not yeah. something I try and uh, dwell on. Did that uh, you know, affect your ability then to, to go on and play in the NFL, or were you ready to kind of take on a new challenge? No, I could. well, it certainly affected my ability to go on to the uh, NFL. I couldn't pass a uh, physical. So I went to the combine and went through that. And, you know, when you – you, you don't have any depth perception when you have one eye um, and the other eye is is strong. So that really affects everything from peripheral vision to just about everything in football. Um, so that kind of ended my uh, aspirations of being an NFL player for sure. After you uh, graduated from CU, did you ever leave the state of Colorado or have you made your residence here in uh, Colorado ever since? No, I'm a Colorado guy. Um, I have no plans or never really wanted to leave. Um, I just think it's, a, like I said before, it's a special place, and our family's here, and we love it. When you uh, think back to your time at CU as a player, are there any moments or, or funny stories that most fans would find entertaining, anything that kind of stands out to you when you think back to your time about CU that maybe isn't that Nebraska game or something else that, was committee behind the scenes that kind of uh, made your time at, at CU, uh, you know, uh, uh, made, kind of made it a great time for you? You know, there's probably a couple things. Um, the friends I made playing football there, that's special. We're still friends to this day. We made up with Bus for Life, an uh, organization that helps uh, former buff, buff athletes. And um, that's special. The, the fun stuff, I tell you, you know, you really – you don't realize that when you're going through, you think it's funny, but then you, you look back and how much influence uh, someone has on you. And, like, Coach Mack was probably one of the all-time great motiva motivational speakers. And some of the stuff he told us, you know, when we were freshmen, sophomore, juniors, was just timeless stuff. I mean, he was teaching us how to motivate ourselves, what to do, to have a vision of um, doing more than you could maybe physically could do if you thought you could do it. Uh, 
and that was really the one thing that I took away from my experience in, in college is uh, really from Coach McCartney was that if you can have a positive attitude and think of things you want to do and you have other guys that are like-minded, you can accomplish a lot of great things. Um, and uh, that was a lesson that, you know, I hope to pass on to my own kids. And when I coach sports, that's what I, you know, if you just think about what you can do in a positive manner, your physical will transform twice as much as what you think it can. And now, uh, you know, still living in the Boulder area, I'm assuming you, you keep a pretty close eye on the Buffs. You mentioned uh, your association with Buffs for Life. What what are your impressions of the program going into year number three under Mike McIntyre? I think he's headed in the right direction. I, I see a lot of similarities in when when uh, Coach Mack's first couple of years, he's adjusted. Like this year, he's brought in a new D coordinator. Um, and uh, I'm forgetting his name. I just met him, too. Um, Jim, Jim Levitt? Yeah, Jim. I'm super excited about him. He's a defense coordinator you can get excited about. Um, And I think in the same vein, Coach Mack in his second or third year brought in a a different defensive coordinator. Um, And it just gives you a little um, little mojo from somebody outside coming in and and getting the kids fired up. I think think that's really exciting about what he's doing. and, you know, they're on the cusp. They've been really young. It's hard to win with freshmen and sophomores. And I think this year they're going to have a few more redshirt sophomores to play with that are actually men and not young young men. Are you glad that you played linebacker back in the in the mid-'80s? Or is there a part of you that, that thinks it would have been maybe fun to, to play linebacker in kind of the, the Pac-12 the way it is now? Gosh, I don't I don't know if I would have the body type that, Today's linebackers are really what, in my day, were strong safeties. I'd probably play a defensive end or a tight end or something like that in today's okay. world. Um, it's just a different era. Uh, to me, it's really the, the spread offense is the option offense spread out, but it's uh, it's interesting, to say the least. They run a high high number of plays, that's for sure. The, uh, another uh, thing I was going to ask you about, uh, the, the story of your daughter, Samantha, needing a, a second heart transplant back in, in 2011 touched a lot of people. How, how is she doing now? She's doing great. You know, um, she's just about to, to get her teaching certificate to work with young children. There's, um, you know, there's nothing easy about being a heart transplant patient. There's a lot of obstacles, a lot of medicine you have to take, but she's a trooper and she's... Uh, She's doing great and um, trying to enjoy every day with her and and life. And uh, it certainly puts uh, life in perspective when you live with uh, uh, a transplant. You know, your your life is daily and not too uh, – and it's very grounded. So, you know, we really appreciate her. She, she's in great shape right now. She works out and um, excited about her future too. You mentioned that you have an 11-year-old son as well. How big is the Remington household? Well, we have three girls. Uh, we have uh, Cassie's a freshman at CU, so she's going there as well. And then we have Carly, who's a sophomore at Monarch High School, and then Jack, who's 11, who's a fifth grader at Superior. Okay. And then uh, with you, uh, you know, working in broadcasting and sales, and then uh, you know, what what led to your change in career path as a real estate broker and uh, what has that career been like? Uh, have you enjoyed that? You know, I, it, it, 
it's funny because I, I got my real estate license back right out of college, and I was going to go into it, and then I decided to um, to go work with my brother for a couple years in radio, and then that couple turned into 20, and um, radio's kind of been one of those mediums that's gotten whacked. I just decided I'd you know, there was a time for a change uh, about four or five years ago and decided to go back to what I wanted to do in the first place. So, uh, and now I'm kicking myself that I haven't been doing it since I was in out of college. And it's it's been great. You know, I'm um, selling real estate in Boulder County and, and working with people that you like and um, people that you trust and they trust you is uh, it's a good way to make a living. If somebody out there listening wants to get in contact with you for their real key needs, how, what would be the best way for them to, to go about doing that? You know, just Google my name, BarryRemington.com. That will bring up my website, and you can get my contact information from that way. Um, I have my own website, and I work for Wright Kingdom Real Estate, one of the larger brokerage uh, in Boulder County. And uh, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a good deal. and. It's a good time to buy and sell real estate, too. All right. Well, Barry, I really enjoyed catching up with you. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to, to talk with us. My pleasure. I appreciate it, Adam. Go Buffs. All right. That was former Buff linebacker Barry Remington. Thanks for listening in, everyone.